0: Welcome to Animal Spirits, a show about markets, life, and investing. Join Michael Batnick and Ben Carlson as they talk about what they're reading, writing, and watching. All opinions expressed by Michael and Ben are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any
1: investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
2: We're so excited to be joined today by our friend and co-founder and CEO of Advisor Circle, Mr. Matt Middleton. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks,
1: guys. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. So for those who are not familiar with Matt, you're definitely familiar with what with what he's doing with us. Matt is one of the people, main people, founder and CEO, behind the best conference in all of wealth management called Futureproof. And it is 50 some odd days away and I, um, I'm getting giddy. I'm super excited. <laughs> Matt, for, for, for people that have not had the pleasure to interact with you, just a quick background. How did, who are you and how did we form a relationship?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my career started at a pretty big media conglomerate called Informa uh, back in 2010. Um, it's a company that really focuses on the B2B space, publishing, live events, uh, business intelligence. And so I started my career there working in the events space, um, found my way into financial services through payments and fintech. Then uh, Informa in 2015 acquired a company called Inside ETFs, which was the events arm of ETF.com um, which is where I uh, met most of the the folks that are part of Advisor Circle now. Uh, we scaled Inside ETFs to being the largest uh, investment management conference in the world, specifically focused on the exchange traded funds industry. Um, after that, that's where you know we all got connected. Uh, we created uh, a fintech event for advisors, Wealth Stack in 2019, and then boom, right? COVID happens. The entire events industry. Completely uh, uh, comes to a halt.
0: How harrowing was that period for you? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of businesses and industries that were just uh, throwing a huge wrench. But for you, that like, what were you thinking at that time?
1: Well, it's interesting. What was so? There's two different thoughts, right? I was thinking something, and then the business was thinking something. And you know, as an industry, everyone was saying, "Okay, digital, digital, digital." is the only thing you could do, right? So, what you actually saw in the market is a lot of new. Uh, event tech startups come out with the promise of virtual events. Live events are dead. Who would travel across the country or the globe to go see people? You know, content is is uh, pretty much everywhere, and that is all true. So at that time, you know, most folks were scrambling to take what once was in person meetings and just simply shift that into the virtual world. Very interesting, though. They actually didn't think about the production. Of a virtual event, and it is far different than what live events are. And so most of those events um, were very poor in terms of performance and experience.
0: I did I, I did a few speaking gigs virtually, yeah. and I, it it was not great. <laughs> it's a weird for it's a, anyone. It's a bizarre experience, right? And it was always the people weren't quite ready in terms of understanding how to use the Zoom and how to bring people in for questions. And it was it was always a little awkward.
1: Yes, and. Yeah, and I mean, and it still is. And so that, that virtual event world really hasn't been solved. Thankfully, we're, you know, COVID is, is behind us in a way where we can have live events again. So you know, at that time, you know, my mind was centered on, do I think live events are going to come back? And the answer for me was yes. And then I looked at, well, what's going to change? And if you really look at live events in the B2B space, specifically in our area, prior to COVID, they all were the same no, there was a lack of innovation. There wasn't a lot of technology. We talked about it a lot on stage, but we actually didn't incorporate it into the events. And so thinking about post-COVID, the focus that, you know, we all came and the thesis we all had was simply the experience is going to matter than anything else. And how could we create a live event that is large scale by nature, that covers a large swath of the industry, but that creates an experience that you can't miss? Because if we could do that, we could connect people at the human level, which we hope will allow people to learn better, connect in more unique ways and foster relationships. And really that's kind of the genesis behind Future Proof. So as we were thinking about
2: getting the band back together and really going for something big, we learned what not to do. And we learned what we didn't like doing, and not just us, but people went to conferences not to see somebody on stage who they could easily listen to from a podcast the main draw is the people that are actually inside of our industry and the connections that we can make and, and learn and share and and collaborate so how did we lean into that idea in a way that is just a complete 180 that existed prior to covid with the event space
1: yeah, no, it's great, and I don't want to diminish the role of content in live events, but to your point, it is not the most important thing, um, like it used to be. That's a pie so chart,
2: I, and that's not that's not the main portion of the pie.
1: Correct. Yeah. So I mean, with us in future proof, um, you know, from day one, we wanted to be different, right? We called it a festival, which you know, in the industry, when we announced it, it it got a lot of people to you know scoff at and laugh. Um, you know, or question it. And we had no shortage of skeptics up until, you know, the event last year. And so with future Matt, proof- hand
0: in the air. I, when you came up, came to us and said, we're gonna do this in Huntington Beach, we have these hotels, we have this restaurant, it's gonna be by the beach. When you told Michael and Josh and I this, I was so excited. And then like my flight to the conference, I had a mini panic attack because I was thinking, wait, we've never done anything like this outside before. Is this really going to work? And then I'm I got a, there.
2: I was timely bull- I, I bullish the entire time.
0: I was like, you zero Michael, <laughs> I had like five minutes of zero hedge, and I told Michael this. But I and then I got there and I saw everything and how it looked and how like amazing it was going to be. And I and I was I quickly realized like, oh, this is going to work. But I I mean, just the whole idea of having people speak outside and be on the beach and how in the sun and how that's going to work. I was like, wait, is this really going to work? And then it like it it just surpassed my wildest dreams. But did you have any thoughts of like how are we going to pull this off?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think the event transformed way more than what we could have expected, one, in a, in a year one event, but two, just in general, right? I think we get a lot of credit for creating this, but it's the community that adopts it and supports it and embraces it that really makes what we all experienced in 2022 and what we'll experience you know, in two months uh, in Huntington Beach. And so I think it's just uh, the... It, it was... It was the moment in time where people said, "Yes, I needed something different," and we were just the ones to say we could create something different. And so I do, yeah, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of nuance that we realized in running an outdoor festival than running a, you know, in a hotel conference um, that we've worked through, and we'll see some of those, you know, adjustments in 2023. But generally, yeah, I, you know, I was certainly nervous the same way. It was just like this is something I've never done before. The
2: traditional conference, whether it's wealth management or probably most other industries, is you're in a hotel ballroom. And there, sometimes it's, it's, it's standing room only. Uh, and you're next to a friend and you have to whisper, right? If you're trying to commute. And it's just, that's not, that's not why you're there. The best parts are in between the events. And listen, like I said, I'm super excited to see Cliff and, and God, like, But there are, there are other aspects of it and so taking that where there's no windows and there's limited time to see your friends and to learn about what they're up to, maybe do some business, like that was the focus. And so when we say that this is on the beach, it's literally, it's, it's outdoors. What was it like getting all of the, I mean, it's in parking lots, right? So how, yeah. how did that process work out?
1: Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, so one, we had over 150 It's called third-party vendors working to produce last year's event. We'll have even more this year. Um, But it's everything from working with, you know, you're not working with one single hotel. You're working with four. Now we're working with six properties for 2023. You're working to get permits with the city of Huntington Beach to use some of that public space. You're then working to create this space. I mean, everything is a blank canvas. And in one side that is exciting and freeing. On the other side, it's really overwhelming because there's so much that could go wrong, um, that you don't typically encounter in a traditional, you know, event at a hotel. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, you know, our operations teams, you guys know, Lindsay and and co, I mean, they're the, the real, uh, magicians behind this orchestration. So yeah, we're, It's tough, I would say.
0: I thought the stuff that we really got right last year I thought was having the big stage right there and having that for main stuff, but also having the smaller breakout stages and the live podcast booth. I thought it was genius to have the food trucks because every other conference I've been to before has been, all right, at noon, everyone's going to have lunch and you wait in line at a buffet or they bring it out to you and everyone eats at the same time. Instead, this you could kind of graze I thought the food trucks was was amazing. You guys shared with us one of the new food trucks coming, which is I think pe- gonna blow people away and it's gonna be awesome. So I, I thought all that stuff, the having the social areas was great. What are the, some of the things, because it it was an amazing event, but we realized like there are some things around the edges that could be improved after after living the experience. So what are some things that are gonna be a little different this year that that's gonna make it even better?
1: Well, yeah, like we learned a lot, right? I mean, just sheer shading, free space for people to to hang if they want to break away from content or people or networking what have you and just do some work or answer a call you know having more space where you actually do not have to leave the outdoor area to go back to a hotel to do, um, more fans and cooling areas. Definitely something, you know, we've learned, uh, more SPF sunblock, certainly yeah. <laughs> for that was a, That like was a
0: busy <laughs> tent, the, the rithold sunblock tent last year, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think, I think it's more so of not like the, the festival operations. I think it's important to kind of set the stage of what does our industry standard event look like and what does futureproof do to combat um, you know, those, those, I guess, challenges. And so one, think about it. You have an event that, to Michael's point earlier, it's forced, everything about it is forced. You have structure where there is certain rooms you have to go into. Most advisors in our space um, are spammed way before the event and so they try to avoid the trade show floor at all costs. Vendors are sitting there trying to hand out fact sheets and business cards and it is it feels this very forced and inorganic way to meet people to connect with the industry. On the other side, you're then forced with content for 8 to 9 hours a day in various rooms and you're constantly dangling carrots for attendees to do the things you want to do as an organizer. And what we did as you pointed out Ben with future proof was we didn't have structured times for food, which is There's food for five hours a day, go eat when you want. If you wanna grab a snack, great. If you wanna sit down and have a proper lunch, we have that too. Hey, we have these content sessions. They're far ranging in topics and people. Not everything's gonna be applicable for you, but that is fine. Go peruse and find the areas that are most exciting, pop in and out because there's no actual rooms that you're going into. Oh, and then we'll have over 150 vendors from all parts of the ecosystem. Go and join them. But instead of having you know, awkward exhibit spaces, create more inviting meeting spaces in the form of cabanas, where you could pop in and have a you know, conversation, but don't feel like you're getting pitched. And so thinking about really what's wrong with the traditional model and changing that is really how we created Future Proof. And I think most people you know, that have, have experienced or still experience that traditional model came to Future Proof and were wowed for that. And you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's the sun, it's the beach backdrop. And that's all true. But I do think it's the many elements and act- activities that really make Future Proof special and got us such a high ranking in terms of customer satisfaction.
2: Matt, what are some of the things, aside from like the little things uh, you mentioned, Like we need more shade, we need more sunblock for my bald head, we need maybe <laughs> more direction in terms of who's on stage when. Like, Okay, we're, we're working through that. What are some of the things that are going to look markedly different this year that maybe weren't there last year that you're really excited about?
1: Yeah. So we've incorporated a Breakthrough, which is going to be the wealth management industry's largest meetings program. So think about it, or if you could envision this, an acre-long space dedicated to pre-scheduled one-to-one meetings. So we're going to host over 10,000 uh, meetings in those spaces. We have no conflict in terms of other activities going on at these times, so we structure it where it's a part of the agenda and the program. No content will be on stages. Nothing else will be going on. It's really dedicated to allow people to meet with each other, discover new solutions and technologies, and really grow. I think the biggest issue that events have once they get to a certain size is a lot of people go because it's the thing to do. But they actually are leaving the event with a lack of ROI or wondering, how did I didn't meet anyone new? And that sounds counter to what you're saying, right? Because the larger the event, you should be meeting more people. But human nature is, the larger the event, you find your tribe, which is usually people you know, and you hang out with them, whether that's you know during the day or scheduled dinners. And so yes, you're strengthening relationships, but you're actually not expanding your relationships. And this is a B2B event. You know, our focus here is to connect people to allow from an advisor perspective, allow you to grow, allow you to recruit, allow you to retain employees. And then, you know, thinking about how do you facilitate that? Well, no one likes to be spammed before the event on LinkedIn, in email, right? The more the sponsors, the more attendees, the more emails, unsolicited emails you receive. It's everyone gets it. It's, it's a, it's a horrible thing to have. And so what we did is with Breakthrough. Matt, I'm we still getting those
2: emails from an event that I was at three months ago.
1: Yes, I swear to God. exactly. Oh, I get it too. <laughs> yeah. I get it too. As an event organizer and I attend a lot of events, right. I'll get them from, you know, sales folks at product providers. I'm like, Hey, did you ever did you look, look at my website? <laughs> I am not your client. I right? think the
0: thing that helps make it not seem so much like transactional and just more of a meeting and talking is the fact that it's so much more laid back. People aren't wearing suits and ties. There might have been a few people that showed up last year and they quickly realized like, oh, people are in shorts and comfortable here. Michael and I are in Hawaiian shirts where you know, people are in t-shirts. And so it's a little more laid back and you don't feel like there's a transaction. And even with the vendors, a lot of the vendors last year got really creative. There were surfboards and skateboards and uh, someone had a bar at the, you know, so it was, it was more outdoor and there was tents and stuff. And I think the vendors will probably get more creative this year too, now that they've actually seen, cause I I'm talking for a lot of them. They realize like, Oh, we get it now that we can see yeah. it. And now, now we understand it. Well, I think they'll get more creative. So it doesn't feel like as a transactional in nature and those meetings don't feel like you're being sold to something. It's more of a conversation. I think that helps too.
2: But Matt with breakthrough, yeah. how, how are you, how is that? How does that come together? Like, why? So, I'm an advisor, or if I were an advisor, why would I get? Why would I donate my time for? What am I getting for that?
1: Yeah. So, there's two parts to this, right? So, Breakthrough Meeting Program, facilitating 10,000 meetings across the entire ecosystem. We basically put this as a benefit for all attendees. They can participate in it um, to, again, like I mentioned, meet new people. You know, meet with the colleagues whatever it is, helps facilitate. So we provide an interface uh, for these folks a month before the event, they could see everyone who's attending. There's no messaging, none of the the cringe stuff that happens before events, or the things that are just time wasted are built in. It's really simply, here's this uh, company, here's these individuals, do you want to meet with this person? Yes or no. And then the other side, similar to like a dating app, you're met with that request, and you could decide if you want to accept that or not. And then the, the magic is that it coordinates you know a series of workflows coordinates that meeting on site so that is the meetings program there's a component of this which is called hosted program and this is to you know an incentivization model for both advisors and the industry and so for advisors you could come to this event in our hosted program and get a free ticket plus a $750 travel reimbursement to participate in up to eight meetings with select industry participants. Now, the important piece here is this isn't like your timeshare model. This isn't forced engagement. You are basically accepting that you will look at these companies. And if any of them are interesting to you, you'll take that meeting. And so again, whether you take you know two, one, or up to the eight, it doesn't matter. You're still provided that you know, free uh, ticket and credit.
2: Wait, hold on, Matt, I wanna be very clear that we're not misleading anybody. Yeah. Do you have to do a minimum of eight or what exactly do you have to do in order to get a free ticket and the $750 voucher?
1: What exactly do you have to do to get that? Yeah, so there is no forced engagement. So you don't have to do anything to get it. You basically have to agree that you will look to get that. So Michael, example, you you sign up for this, you get a free tri- uh, ticket, you get up to $750 travel reimbursement you now go and fill out a profile in Breakthrough. At that point, you're met with over 250 solution providers that in theory, you might want to meet with. You select companies that you are interested in based on what they say in terms of their products and services being offered. Let's say in the rare chance that there are is zero companies that you care to meet with there, you don't have to, you're not forced to take a meeting. You now still could use Breakthrough to meet with other folks, like other advisors, maybe you're looking to, you know, grow, maybe you're looking to acquire businesses, what have you, several different use cases there. So I could use, so
2: I could use breakthrough just as a meeting spot to, to meet somebody else.
1: Yes. That is really what it's for. It's to make your time on site more efficient, allow you to discover people that you aren't in your group of people and technologies or solutions. And now, so, am
2: I going to be under the sun? Do I need extra sunscreen or what does this look like?
1: No, so we have uh, a full acre long area dedicated to space, as I mentioned. We're co- fully covered, fully, you know, uh, fanned and cooled. So we're gonna have,, uh, I mean imagine this, literally uh, a carnival style tent <laughs> where 800 tables are sitting under. And every 15 minutes, over the course of three, you know, daily segments, You have your meetings, and I mean, quite literally, we have a shot clock. (laughs) Yeah, we have a shot clock. So, like on that fifteenth minute, that shot clock rings, the alarm goes off, and you have ninety seconds to get to your next table. And so it's, it's. I I don't want to say speed dating. Well, it's speed dating where you select the date. It is. It's yes. It's highly qualified speed dating, if you will.
0: So there's no quotas, but I think we should highly recommend people have to buy an Animal Spirits Tropical Brothers shirt if they want to go. Yes, for (laughs) sure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> did you guys sell out already? I was going to actually buy mine when I saw we, it on uh, Instagram. We sold out
0: once, and now we got a new shipment. Anybody be, better get them fast because they're going quick again. We got it. We did restock.
1: We have to have a future-proof capsule.
0: I know. Yes. Yes, that would be that would be nice. Anything else that we missed that we wanted to talk about? My, I think one of my favorite parts about conferences is honestly. Michael and I have been to a number of them in the past year or so, and the I think one of the funniest parts about conferences is that you know that there's a handful of people that literally go to every single one of them right? That yes. these, these people, this is like part of their job or they just love it. And uh, and they, they, they have like the conference circuit down. They know how to schmooze with people. They know what bars and restaurants to go to. They know then, where to then get what drinks. Is,
2: what, what's the first thing that somebody says to somebody else at a conference?
0: Oh, every the, the, the icebreaker that everyone always says, I always laugh at this, is, is when did you get in, right? Every, you, you have to ask someone that at a conference and no one cares what the answer is. <laughs> Right? Yes. Everyone yes. asks that at a conference. So when did you get in? Oh, I got in at 3 a.m. Oh, how's your flowers, That's that's the typical conference well, he, icebreaker. He, here's
2: what we did not mention <laughs> that I, I think I sold this short uh, for, for the first year. The live music, we had Big Boy on, and I was like, Oh, cool, I like I like Outcast. Holy moly. Was that so was much fun. so much fun. And this year we've got Method Man and Red Man. And I gotta be honest, my my knowledge of their music is not where i mean i remember like outcast was enormous i knew all the hits i got yes. to i got to polish up on my method man and red man stuff i don't even know what to expect i don't know their biggest hits
1: yeah i, I gotta be honest too i i mean i had a similar view last year so like oh, know, that john, would be fun, but it was yeah so like john fun. handles the the music and so when we went out Shout the to by, by the way yeah absolutely so so when we went out with like the festival model i was like you handle the music and obviously, he works close with Josh on that. And so even when they started s- setting up on that Tuesday, I was like, holy shit, this is like a real concert. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it ob- it shocked me as well. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I think uh, Meth Men and Redman are going to be pretty legendary if you think about like the age dynamics of our audience. And surprisingly, we ask every single person at registration, what is
0: your favorite Blood. genre of music? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what type of booze? <laughs> but the age thing is important too, because this, yeah. is, this has to be easily the, the youngest conference attendees that I've ever been to in terms of like average or median age. It has to be.
1: You know what's interesting? I think last year, it, it's, it's de- it definitely felt that way. Well, look, the average age in our industry is 57. The average age of the event attendee was not 57 last year. It's got
2: to be closer to 45 Yeah, whatever, it's- whatever it is.
1: It's mid-30s to late-40s, I would say, is our is our sweet spot. Um, I think we're seeing a lot more um, mature, if that's the polite pr- right way to say it, mature uh, folks in our space now uh, be aware of it. I think with the colors, the festival name, how we were very loud with our promotions before experience, it probably turned off a lot of those more uh, conservative or reserved folks. But now it's something that you just can't miss each and every year. Well, that's, so, Matt, that's such
2: a good point. Listen, as we we have a ton of fun at the event, but it's not just a party. People don't take time out of their very busy week away from their family, fly across the country for no reason. They're getting something out of it, and it's not just it's not just fun. There is these these are forward thinking advisors that want to stay on top of the latest and greatest and want to stay engaged, and that's that's who's in the audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing, you know, the one critique I think we got last year from media and others, which was couldn't be further from the truth, was it's a younger junior audience. That's not true. And younger is true, but junior is completely wrong. I right. mean, looking at the numbers now, you know, we'll have over 3,000 people there. Right now we have you know, 60% are C-level executives at these firms, right? right? So these are the decision Decision makers.
2: makers. It's an impressive group of people,
1: yeah. Yeah, they're just not the gray-haired folks that may have started that firm. Um, And what you're thinking about and what we're trying to solve here with Future Proof, right? There's the festival and the music and the cultural moments, which get a lot of the attention, rightfully so. But at the core, what are we trying to do? We're trying to solve for advisors issues around growth, recruitment, retention and optics and i want to spend just one second on optics cuz most people and most events are very insulated right you bring uh you know groups of fees, uh, people focused either on like investment or practice management or technology and what we did is said like let's break down all those barriers and let's create an event that very much feels like a consumer focused event the reason being is because we want to help with industry optics when you look across all these surveys, whether you you know validate them or not, most of these surveys from a trust standpoint, financial services, investment managers, financial planners, right? You go on and on. they lack trust from the everyday person. How do we become more relatable as an industry to the people we serve? And I think future proof allows folks to be part of that, stay aware of what's going on in like the pop culture world but also learn how to expand their business, hence future-proof themselves and their business in f- for you know, the next 10 years. Matt,
2: you mentioned um, culture. I think what we're going to see a lot of this year is groups of advisors who work together, coming out together to sort of use it as uh, uh, an offsite, right? Like there's going to be a lot more of that. Last year, we saw you know one person, two person from the same firm. I think we're going to see groups uh, taking over the space this year
1: yeah, I mean, that's a great point. What we're seeing is really a lot these what we call them team packs, but yeah, it's it's an opportunity for folks to highlight the work that some of their you know staff does each and every year and celebrate them. It's a way for national teams to come together in person. Mm-hmm. It's a way for different functions in the in the firms to come together and learn and network. Example of that is you know we have a lot of folks that are bringing their entire C suite so see, it's not just you know the CIOs or the CEOs you know the CTOs you're seeing COOs you're seeing heads of recruitment come because the sheer volume of advisors that are there it's a huge opportunity for folks and so we don't really try to create the narrative of this is the only reason why you should attend or we only serve this function of your firm it's ever evolving and what we are we are seeing is. You know, large groups from you know big firms and and smaller firms come together to you know share in this kind of a celebratory moment.
2: Well, Matt, I can't I can't wait. I know I speak for all of us here. We are so 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 excited. I just got
0: excited again talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> sir, I,
2: yeah I'm 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 yeah. Um, if people want to attend but they haven't gotten a ticket yet, where can we send them?
0: Uh, FutureproofAdvisorCircle.com.
2: All right, Matt, we'll see you in fifty some odd days.
1: Awesome. Thanks, guys.